someone graduates and they go out and they don't know how to be an artist because they only know how to be a student and they only know how to be told what to do. And it's like, okay, you can follow instruction really well. You can take tests really well. You can pick up choreography really well, which can be useful, but it's not art. Welcome to the Live Your Art Podcast. Casual conversations with creative individuals to help you unchain your inner artist. My name is Theo Zagragan. I'm a creativity coach, artist, and director, and I am on a mission to uncover the hidden keys to thriving as a creative. So join me on this journey to discover how you too can live your art. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Live Your Art Podcast. Guys, it's episode number 10. We're in double digits now. And it is my freaking pleasure to introduce you to our 10th guest on the show today. Party people, put your hands together for Madison Leonardo. Madison Leonardo is a student, mental health advocate, blogger, handmade jewelry creator, and dancer. She's also the creator of Speaking Truth Company, a blog focused on helping people find comfort in talking about the uncomfortable things in life. On the platform, she shares about stigmatized topics such as her journey with anxiety, OCD, and an eating disorder, as well as others' diverse perspectives and experiences. And the conversation I had with her touches on many uncomfortable realities in our world, such as men's mental health, mental health medication, the education system, and arts institutions. When I met Maddie, she was attending the performance dance program at Ryerson University, a program that she left as a result of its serious repercussions on her mental health. And later on in the episode, she courageously shares her experience with the program and some big critiques on the way in which art is taught in the institutions we are brought up to trust. Anyhow, without further ado, I introduce to you Madison Leonardo. You thought that you were going to be a dancer. Yeah. Like your career path, right? Okay. So you've, you've always kind of been in this artistic mindset of like, you know, my, my career is going to be creative. Is that mm -hmm. fair to say? Yeah. But obviously, that's not the path you ended up choosing to take. You, yeah. You decided to change, you changed your mind on that path. Yeah. But I still definitely see you as someone who's very much embodied in living their art, you know, through your expression. You're very willing to express the ideas and your perspective. I would love to hear a little bit about kind of the journey to getting to where you are now and maybe a bit of an intro of uh, kind of what, what you're up to these days. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm obviously in a different program. Um, I'm studying child and youth work with um, a double minor in philosophy and psychology. So very academic based, which is like not at all what I thought I would ever be doing just mm. because I was always like, oh, I'm not really a school person, but it turns out I'm very much a school person. Mm. Um, I really, my whole life, I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm school's not for me. So like, I'm going to go to school, but like, I'm going to dance. It's not going to be like real school. Mm. And I did that and I hated it. So here we are. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm in a very academic program, which I really love. 
Um, I mean, obviously I have my issues with the system, the school system, that's a whole other thing, but otherwise I'm happy with what I'm doing and where I am right now in terms of school and yeah, otherwise, yeah, I just have like my blog and my like online shop and stuff that that kind of started like as a result of COVID and like being bored and doing a whole lot of like arts and crafts, like just for fun. <laughs> um, yeah. So you hated the dance program. Hated it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm very aware of. I remember many conversations <laughs> yeah. with you about how much you hated that program. Yeah. But I guess my question, like you grew up, you're, you've loved dance your whole life, right? That's kind of what you grew up doing. You were so passionate about it. This is what you wanted to devote your career to. Yeah. Right. What caused that shift? What did you hate about it? I think at first I thought, oh, now I hate dance, but I don't hate dance. I hated the program. Mm. Um, and so I still love dance and it's still a part of my life. And I think it always will be. I hope it always will be but in a very different way. Like now it's kind of like growing up, especially in high school, dance was my main thing and school was kind of on the back burner, which is like pretty backwards for most kids. Um, because for a lot of my life, for all of my life, my parents were like, dance is always second. You know, you have to focus on school. But by the time high school came around, they were like, okay, there's no stopping her. Like all she wants to do is dance. Like she doesn't want to do anything else. And so like, you know, I obviously still, got through school I graduated and whatnot but um dance was like my main focus and so I think it will always be there and it'll always be around but um the program is really what showed me like this is not what I want to be doing and like mainly because of I don't know if I had gone to a different program if I had gone to a program that I had liked I don't know if I would have switched and so I do think that things like that are like meant to be, but mm. um, I don't think it was a switch in, oh, I don't like dance anymore. I think it was like, I need to get out of this program. And so I did, and that gave me the time to kind of reflect on, is this what I wanna be doing? Is there something I like more? And then I realized that there was something I like more. I realized that there was millions of things that I liked that I just never explored because dance was the only thing I ever did and the only thing I ever focused on. Mm. So I was like, oh, I have a lot of other interests. And that summer I worked at a summer camp for um, at-risk youth. And that was when I kind of realized, okay, like this is what I feel like I need to be doing. This is where I feel most myself and most comfortable and most useful happy and all the things that you want to feel when you're doing what you're doing mm -hmm. and so I was like yeah I think this is what I want to do and so I looked a little bit into like social work and psychology and all that and then I found that Ryerson had this child and youth work program which was like a perfect blend of all the things that I wanted to be focusing on. You mentioned a bit earlier that you have problems with the education system and how, how that works I definitely do too <laughs> um, the education system has certainly failed me <laughs> multiple times what are, do you have any thoughts on that that you'd like to share? Yeah, I mean, I think institution is an issue in itself. So I think any institution is just, you know, we're not robots. We're not meant to be, we're not meant to be like put through a cookie cutter and all come out the same, but that's the way that institution um, builds people. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like 
you know, there's not, it's hard to get away from it when you want to do what I want to do. Like I kind of need the education. Um, but like, I think if you can get, get by without going to school, then like, by all means, like experience, in my opinion, experience is way more valuable than education. Um, because experience gives you education. Um, and I mean, I'm really, it's just a, um, vessel school is just a vessel for like a piece of paper at the end of it like I learn more working when I'm working than I do in school and like Mm. it sucks because school is so expensive and you spend so much time on it and I still like like I do enjoy school I do enjoy my program and what I'm learning but I learn more outside of school so I just think it's um, institutions are the biggest issue but I mean we would have to just knock down all of society and rebuild it which <laughs> hopefully one day that happens hopefully time. but I mean I don't know how I would do that so totally word I feel you on that <laughs> 100% I'd love to hear a bit about your blog kind of um it's called speaking truth mm-hmm. what what is the concept behind it what are you going for with that what is what is the purpose and driving force behind this blog I think mainly I just want it to be a space where people can go, people who are struggling with similar things can go to kind of feel validated and like not alone and not crazy. Like, oh shit, like this is okay. I'm not going crazy. Like someone else has clearly been through this. Um, Yeah, I just think like a safe space is what I want it to be more than anything. Obviously it would be amazing if it was like a source of income one day, but for me, the main focus is like, um, creating that sort of space for other people, um, especially younger people, people in high school, um, because you don't always want to talk to people about things that you're going through, especially at that age, you're just like angsty and quiet and you don't, you don't want to talk about your feelings. Um, that's what I hope it is and what I want it to be and what I created it to be in terms of content. I focus a lot on like mental health and my own experiences I touch on other things too like I find a lot of comfort in talking about things that people don't like to talk about because I think it creates valuable conversations so yeah cool what's one of those topics let's have a conversation about something that will make me uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) well I think mental health in itself Mm. I think people people don't want to talk I think men also don't want to talk about it um I just had a post up yesterday um that my uncle did for me about his experience with mental health and Mm -hmm. I was really excited to have a male's perspective on that um Mm. because it's something that people don't don't really like to talk about um like women's sexual health is another thing that people people don't talk about people don't want to talk Mm. about um, so I'm like, okay, let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> Are right. you uncomfortable? Why are you uncomfortable? <laughs> why are you like, uncomfortable right now? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to, to yeah. be like, okay, why are these, why do these things make us uncomfortable? Totally. Totally. Men's mental health is something that none of my male friends really talk about. And it's, it's really unfortunate because I think a lot of issues in our world stem from men who haven't healed their trauma. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really, really dark things that happen in our world as a result of that. You know, it is really difficult as a man, though, in, in the, 
the society that we're raised in to speak up about these things. For sure. Um, because there's a lot of collective shame around emotion. Yeah. I've definitely been called a lot of names yeah. as a result of being a very open feeler, um, being very willing to express my emotions. Yeah. But I love that you brought that up. Curious uh, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it's always more valuable to be a little bit uncomfortable than to be quiet about something. Mm. Um, Mainly I feel like it's unfortunate that it is the way it is, but it takes, it's going to take so much work and time and effort and discourse to, to change that because the only way through it is like to do it. So Mm. the only way it's going to become, more normal is just to talk about it more and it's hard right like I, mm. I don't know what it's like to be um male identifying and and want to talk about these things but be like oh like I don't want to be the only one you know like it's hard for mm. me to talk about things that I talk about but I still do it and I'm a woman so it's mm. um, it's hard in different ways and it's something that is not as difficult I think um, in my own experience to speak about um, being female rather Mm. than male like I just yeah I think it really sucks because I can't imagine how many young boys kind of suffer in silence and it makes me sad more than anything and I wish Mm. I could just fix it with like snap of my fingers but I can't so the only thing I can do is um, have like a voice like that on my um, platform and kind of bring more awareness to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to hear if, you, if you're open to it, just kind of, I guess, a little bit of your story around like your journey with mental health, if you're open mm-hmm. to sharing that with us. Yeah, for sure. I think I've always had all the issues. Mm-hmm. Quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I've had all the issues that I have for a very long time and I think I was like kind of born with them I mean research to be done on that kind of stuff but um, Mm. I think I've struggled with my mental health and mental illness um, as a child and I think I just thought it was normal and Mm. I didn't realize that my brain kind of worked differently than other people and I didn't realize that worrying 24 7 as a small child wasn't necessarily normal Mm. Um, and now studying like children's brains, (laughs) I'm realizing that, oh, like my experience as like a five-year-old feeling anxiety as a five-year-old daily isn't a normal experience. Mm. Um, and I think I was, I had very, very high functioning anxiety as a child. So my parents, um, who would have intervened if they saw anything, um, they, they didn't see anything wrong and they didn't really notice that I was overly anxious my whole life um, until I was old enough to be like, okay, something doesn't feel right. And I think I was um, 13 when I went on a, um, with my dance studio, we went on a bus ride to New York. So that's a long bus ride. That's like 13 hours, I think. And that was the first time I like really experienced like a full-on panic attack and my mom was kind of like oh like we need to take you to the doctor we need to do something because like it's not normal if you're experiencing these feelings all the time and she just didn't know because I didn't know 
had I known I feel comfortable talking to my parents about it, I would have said something. I just thought it was normal. And so mm. um, that's when we kind of realized something had to be done. And so we talked to my doctor and the first step, especially when you're that young is always like therapy because they don't want to medicate you super young if they don't have to. And so I did that whole thing and like therapy's great. I'm a huge advocate um, for that. And I, I'm still in therapy and I, I stopped for a while and that was like the worst thing I could have done for myself because I thought mm. I was like better. Um, but I'd realized that I'm someone who I think I'll just always be in therapy. And I think that's just the best thing for me. And like, just for maintenance of my mental health. So that's kind of where I started and it helped, but not enough. And so that's when I started taking medication. So I was 15 at that point. And I've been taking medications ever since then. And like, they've done, they've worked wonders for me. So for me, I'm like, I know that medication is something that can be controversial, especially when it comes to mental health. But for me, there's not a question about it because they potentially saved my life. Like, I don't really know where that would have gone or how bad it would have gotten without that because I still yeah. struggle. So like without the medication, I don't know how bad it could have gotten. Right. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, I recently was diagnosed with an eating disorder, which I think was also um, manifested itself since I was super young. And again, I just didn't really know the signs. My parents didn't really know the signs. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I um, mainly am medicated for my anxiety disorder. I am also partially medicated for um, obsessive compulsive disorder and newly in therapy and group for my eating disorder and I'm on a wait list which Canada's healthcare that's a whole other thing to another institution that's you know it's not a great system because either you have a lot of money and you can pay for something privately you can pay for private treatment or you're on a wait list for a really long time and yep. um, things can get really bad and you can get really um, it can be really dangerous if you're just if you're not being watched medically especially with eating disorders. So luckily I have a great doctor and family and support system and whatnot. But yeah, that's kind of my spiel on that. Wow. How does, how does saying all that feel now? Um, super comfortable because I've done it enough. Like I don't really feel um, any type of, like I feel pretty like neutral and just like, oh, it's just a regular conversation for me. But mm. I know that's only because I've talked about it so much. Right, right. Yeah, because I, I, I get the sense that not many people um, enjoy sharing that mm -hmm. information with other people. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've never been diagnosed with anything, mm -hmm. um, probably because I haven't really, um, I haven't really looked into that mm -hmm. um but you know if i look at like the symptoms of a, a lot of these disorders i'm like oh that resonates with me yeah. for sure mm -hmm. you know okay that yeah totally but i've i've always kind of had this thing where i'm like i don't want medication period like mm -hmm. for me it's always been i don't want to feel like i need to depend on a on some substance yeah. to be quote-unquote normal mm -hmm. I'm curious, like what, what you have to say about that. Yeah, I think, I think that's very normal. And I think um, I felt the same way for a long time. And that's why it took me a couple of years to start taking medication. Um, but the biggest 
indicator for me that society kind of constructed that idea for me was that I was so much better off with the medication than without. So it was just, um, you know, when your brain is chemically altered, just like the way it is, the medication actually brings it back to quote unquote normalcy and like balance. So it's almost like um, it would make, it makes less sense in my mind to go without it just Mm. because of like my pride because that's what it was about for a really long time Mm, and I still feel like that and for years I was on just one medication and then very recently I started a second medication and even that even being as like open about it and like okay with it as I am starting another one I was like oh like I have to do this all over again and like I don't want to be taking tons of medications Mm. but I mean I just feel so much better and I feel more myself on these Mm. medications and I feel like if they can help me live a more full and happy life then like I would rather make that sort of sacrifice I guess if it is even a sacrifice Mm. um really I think it's just putting my pride aside not more less than (laughs) it is a sacrifice um but yeah I think Mm. I think it's very normal but I think it's just a stigma just like a million other things you know I think it's kind of the same as like why men don't talk about their feelings you know it's kind of um I think they're sort of one in the same in the sense that it's just society really and there's no actual reason why we should be like afraid of taking medication Mm -hmm. like the same way as a diabetic person takes insulin you know like you wouldn't be like oh no I'm okay without it because like obviously that would not be good for your health right so to me it's the same something I would say about that though is like the the diabetic person with who needs insulin if they get to that point they do need it Mm -hmm. um but ideally i think this is a problem with western medicine that i think collectively we're seeing is it's very focused on the symptom and treating the symptom so like diabetes is a symptom of poor eating and treating oneself Mm -hmm. poorly right in terms of your health and then giving them insulin is like kind of like a last resort yeah and i think that's why when I think of like the core of why I don't want to get on medication is because I'm very focused on like, I want to like figure this out. Like I want to get to the root of this before I get to that place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, like you, you mentioned this, like you started with therapy and stuff and then it progressed to this point. So that, that does make sense to me. Yeah, that makes sense as well. I mean, Western medicine is also, it's definitely not the end all and be all. And there's so many other yeah. things that go into Um, maintaining my mental health that medication is just a small piece of it and I think Mm. that's how it should be for everyone I don't think medication is the one answer because I agree like we can't just be you know giving medication to everybody as a band-aid solution obviously that causes other issues and it, it is a huge problem with western medicine and I a lot of like some days I'm like, oh, like maybe I should wean off of my medications completely and just like try like herbal supplements. But I'm like, okay, like I've been there, done that. Like I'm just kind of being silly now. Um, Mm. But yeah, like I do think it's important to rule out other things and um, kind of use other Mm. coping strategies along with medication. Right. It's interesting you say that because like I'm I'm entirely in like the more Eastern approach or the non-western approach right mm-hmm. like this, this i've kind of seen it as like well the the challenge of ex, the challenges i've experienced with my 
emotional state, like the anxiety I experienced, the depressive episodes I experienced have really led me down this interesting path of like, you know, art. Like it, it's really what led me to becoming an artist. It's what led me to traveling around the world. It's what led me to really practicing um, spirituality, like very mm -hmm. deeply. I just got off a call prior to this with my life coach, like my, my coach who's helping me a lot with my internal healing. Yeah. Now he's not like a therapist, right? He, he's never gone to school for, to study psychology and stuff, but this guy is changing my life because he's getting me really deeply in touch with childhood memories mm -hmm. from which I am learning and then creating practices in my daily life to integrate those experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and I've also done a lot of psychedelics too as, right. as a healing modality for myself. Yeah. Um, as well as microdosing and all that. So it, I'm really pumped that we're having a conversation right now about this because they're two very different approaches mm -hmm. um, that ultimately we're, we're both, I think, aiming to get to the same place, which is living a full connected experience yes. in our lives. Yeah. And I think whatever way works for you, do it. Like, mm -hmm. I think um, all those approaches you just mentioned, those are forms of self-medicating as well and as mm -hmm. long as you're doing things in like with your health um in mind I, I think there's nothing wrong with trying everything before actual medication like i think mm -hmm. it's important if anything and i think um those things can also work together i think um, more Eastern and Western medication, I think they can work together. Um, if people aren't so stubborn about it, um, you know, like doctors and like holistic healers are so like opposites and are so like, Oh, I am not going to associate with that. And I'm not going to, yeah. but I think they can work together really nicely sometimes. Totally. I agree with you. Uh, I'd love to add to that. I don't know if you knew this, but I used to be in biomedical science. Like I was going to be a doctor. Yeah. Like that was like the vision, like that's mm -hmm. what I was going for. I was shooting for that. Um, and when I dropped out, I kind of like disowned that part of myself. Like, no, this is wrong. This is completely not right. This is the yeah. wrong way to do things. And I went on this whole journey where I kind of went the exact op polar opposite, where I was just like in Peru with like <laughs> shamans and, <laughs> you know, I'm experiencing these very enlightening experiences but anyway i won't get into that right now um but recently i ended up in the hospital mm -hmm. from now when i'm looking back on it a panic attack a really intense panic attack a really intense one that caused very physical a very physical response in my body like very physical and um the doctor the neurologist that i ended up seeing afterwards looked exactly like me <laughs> was trippy this guy is like you know probably like i don't know late 20s but looks a lot like me is dresses the way i used to dress when i was in that program and is like the embodiment of who i would have been if i'd gone down that path and i'm looking at this guy and i'm having this conversation with him and i'm kind of like seeing myself in him i'm like holy shit this is who i would have been and i was like wow i really don't hate you right now <laughs> you know so yeah integrating the two like these two polarities neither one of them is necessarily the correct way about going about things exactly um 
which is something that I've learned very recently because I used to be very much like, fuck Western medicine. Yeah. This is incorrect. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I think honestly though is a natural response yeah. to a lot of the ways that the Western systems have really been detrimental to our health. And 100%. Yeah. Anxiety can have the most physical symptoms and like physical effects. Yeah. That, that's the same thing has happened to me before. And I'm like, you're trying to tell me that there's nothing wrong with my heart right now. Like, I don't really believe you. Um, mm. There's nothing wrong with my heart. So <laughs> I, yeah, you know, it, that's literally how I felt. I was like, <laughs> wait, there's nothing wrong with my physical body right now. You're like, you no, there like, is, there's gotta be. Like, I felt like I can't move properly. Like yeah. I can't move. Yeah. yeah it's, it's wild. But you know what the, what the person told me was, have you tried more eastern practices like have you Mm -hmm. have you tried do you have a mindfulness practice do you have a i was like shit yeah it's the two worlds are coming together they're slowly getting there it's so important and like i think doctors i think the newer generation of doctors and healthcare providers and even in the work that i'm doing like um not necessarily in the medical field but more so in the healthcare fields because my end goal is to work in a hospital on like a mental health unit um, for children. Mm. And I, what I'm learning a lot of now in my schooling is how to use sort of more Eastern approaches in terms of Mm. just sending them to a psychiatrist who's just going to write a prescription because especially with kids, you don't want to resort to that. It can be kind of dangerous and um I think there's so much value in bringing the two together I think if everyone's just a little bit less stubborn about it it could be a really positive collaboration (laughs) yeah yeah synergy yeah synergy between two polarities Mm -hmm. yeah I agree I agree with you there have you have you ever considered like what the path would have looked like if you hadn't taken medication or like if if that was something you just never did like what do you think your life would look like or how do you think you would have gone about your healing I think I would be really frustrated with myself because I do all the right things um I go to therapy I meditate I journal I have like all my coping tools that I've learned. I do all the breathing exercises. So I do all the things and it's still just not enough for me. And so I think I would just be really, feel really defeated and frustrated with myself and be really down on myself for no reason. Um, I think um, there's obviously a chance that I, that that wouldn't have been true and that I would have been fine without medication. But I truly believe that like I would be a lot worse than I am and um, just not in a good place and feeling like, why can't I get a handle on this um, on my own? Um, when, you know, it doesn't always have to be on your own or without outside help or sources. Um, yeah, I feel like it was definitely the best route for me and like where I was at when I started taking it. Mm, beautiful. So now, with all of this experience, with all of these things that you've learned through this journey and the fact that, you know, dance didn't work out for you, but you still have that as a part of your life and you're pretty clear on, on the direction of where you're going. What is 
the change you want to create in the world with what you're doing? I, if it were up to me, I would create a world in which children didn't experience pain. <laughs> but I mean, I also know that um, painful experiences can be valuable, um, even in children. Um, but that's just kind of my heart taking over and being like, oh, I just want to protect them all and not have them harmed ever in any way. Um, but I think I, since that's obviously not possible, um, what I want to do is make it more, um, make it a little less shitty for them, <laughs> for kids in shitty situations. Right, Make right. it a little more livable and make life a little more enjoyable and less painful for them. Mm. Less traumatic, I assume, yeah. as well. Yeah, like yeah. in my work, I'm going to see so many things that are going to be so hard to see and experience. And mm. that's a lot. That's something we talk about a lot in my program, too, is like the self-care aspect of it. Like we're going to have to, I'm going to have to build so many boundaries that I'm not going to want to build. Like I'm going to want to just take yeah. the children home to my home and protect them and hug them and keep them as my own. And like, obviously, I can't do that with every child I work yeah. with. And so it's going to be a learning for sure um and it's gonna be hard but i think it'll be worth it um yeah beautiful <laughs> i love that you just mentioned boundaries because yeah. this is something this is something i've been learning too is you know as you're a very empathetic person yeah yeah <laughs> i would i'm also a very empathetic person and my tendency is also to very much play the role of like healer or yeah. to play um you know to help people support yeah. people right and um, that boundary setting thing, oof, that's a, that's a toughie. So that's hard. a toughie. Um, yeah. I still, I, I have a lot of challenges around that. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I'm like very much, you know, I, I try to be diligent with it. I'm like, boundary here, boundary here. This is <laughs> boundary. But like, um, that's difficult. Yeah. Um, what have you learned around that? Or what are you learning around boundary setting as an empath? they're so important. You can't, mm. I can't do the work I want to do without having boundaries. Mm. So as much as it's going to suck having to set boundaries, it would suck a whole lot more if I couldn't do what I love because I couldn't set boundaries. Ooh. <laughs> Fucking bars. <laughs> That's fire. Yeah. And I, I, you know, even, even outside of the work, like in, in relationships with people, right? Yeah. Like it's setting hard. boundaries in an, let's say an intimate relationship. You can't have that loving, intimate relationship without the boundaries, even though it sucks to set them. I would rather a healthy relationship with some boundaries that are kind of hard to set at first, rather than a relationship that's not healthy because we don't have those boundaries. And like, it's so hard. Like I keep saying it's so hard, but it's so fucking hard. Like <laughs> I can't, I can't control, like I say I can't control myself. Obviously I can, but like it's, it's hard to control your instincts, you know, like when you yeah. want to help, you just want to, you just want to fix everything. Like my mom's always like, Madison, you can't change the world. You can't fix the world. You can't fix everyone. And I'm like, but I can try really hard. And she's like, no, you're going to burn out. You're not going to, yeah. you're not any good. She always says, you're not any good to anybody else if you don't fill your own cup. So bars, yeah, bars, 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 bars. This is something I've been dealing with a lot. You know, like, You've, you've been with me on a decent part of my journey is like, you know, since the future youth days. Yeah. A big, a big thing with that was like, your boy wasn't filling his cup. Yeah. 
as you know, they might not know, the listeners, yeah. I was sleeping on a two-seater couch yeah. in a basement, not really sure about my future, mm-hmm. trying to change the world. Yeah. It's very difficult to change the world if you don't have a bed. Yes, you are correct. You so, <laughs> yeah, um, filling your own cup, taking care of yourself is the only way that you can truly have a powerful impact because if you don't do that, you are going to burn yourself to a crisp and you're not going to help anyone. Yeah. You're no, no good to anybody if mm. you're just empty and do nothing that fulfills you and mm. fills your cup. And I think it feels selfish or sounds selfish, but when you really break it down and like even use a visual for it, like when I'm, if I'm working with children, like I'll use visuals more so because um, it's easier to understand. But even with adults, like for me, it's easier to think about physically if I have a cup, if I am a cup, but I'm empty, I have nothing to pour into the children that I want to help, you know? Mm. So it feels, it's hard as someone who doesn't want to be selfish um, to not feel like it's selfish, but it's really not at mm. all. It's very selfless. It's a very selfless act to give to yourself. Yeah. To love yourself. Yeah. To care about yourself. Yeah. The word selfish. I hate that that's a word that we throw around like it's a bad thing. Yeah. You know, selfish with a like an under uh, a lowercase s, selfish, like serving your ego. Yeah. Sure. That's that's not the best thing, but yeah. selfish with a capital S, like serving your self mm-hmm. first, showing up for yourself first. Um, it's not negative. Absolutely not. That's, that's the best, that's the most selfless thing you can do. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I agree. It's the most self with a cap uh, under, mm-hmm. you know, you know what I mean? Lowercase <laughs> S. It's the least egotistical thing you can do is to love yourself. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, just felt like throwing that in there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important because it definitely has a negative connotation. And um, for what, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, I think, yes, um, serving, you know, your ego and not necessarily yourself um, is a little bit more of like, okay, that deserves a bit more of the negative connotation. But I think um, being selfish in a way that involves um, filling yourself up with like, you know, all the good things is um, the opposite for sure. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, Maddie, (laughs) we've talked about a lot of things. We kind of went, we went very big picture. We're talking about institutions and tearing down the society (laughs) in which we live to rebuild and create a place where children no longer feel uh, pain. I guess if we could boil down kind of like our, our big picture thinking into more of like a practical tip um, for people listening, how would you recommend that people practice their own healing journey? You've got to self-reflect. Mm. Like you have to understand um, why you feel the way you feel. Um, what you're actually feeling you know you have to identify your emotions and break them down and it's going to be hard but um i live by um you can't heal what you don't let yourself feel and so that's why it's so important to be 
uncomfortable sometimes and be, um, you know, a little bit uneasy with experiencing your emotions and feeling a little bit um, out of your element. But it's so important because that's self-reflection and that's what's going to kind of propel you forward. Like you can't really, you're going to be stuck in one place and you're going to be stuck in a mold um, made by the institutions that surround us if you can't self-reflect and use like what you've learned from your self-reflections. Like, okay, I'm reflecting on these emotions, why I'm feeling them how they manifest in me. So now what do I do with this information? Like you have to follow through also. Um, And it's a big job. It's a big, um, it's a big task, you know, to constantly self-reflect and also make positive change. And it's hard and like, it's not going to be linear. Um, Obviously life is not linear, you know, you're not going to be on the up all the time, but that's not necessarily the goal. Um, The goal is just forward even if it's like down and forward, it's, it's still forward. Mm. I think self-awareness is really important. Um, I think that goes hand in hand with self-reflection, but um, you know, you can be going through life hurting people left, right, and center and not even being aware. And like, you know, you can't just kind of throw your hands up and be like, Oh, I didn't know. Um, As adults, you know, you got to be self-aware, like not to say that you're never going to hurt people because like it's going to happen. It's inevitable. People make mistakes and whatnot, but you've got to be aware. And I think there's also, there has got to be a balance because if you're consistently obsessing over your self-reflection and self-awareness, like I am, it can be a little bit unhealthy and it can be a little bit detrimental, but um, the goal is to find that balance, not necessarily a perfect balance, but just a balance. And I think that's the best thing that we can do for ourselves and like the people around us. Beautiful. Are there any other parting thoughts you would like to, uh, to invoke in our listeners? Um, yeah, I feel okay. I feel like I wanted to touch a little bit more on the dance program, but I kind of steered myself off of that path because I was talking about institutions and (laughs) got a little excited. Yeah, we can, Um, we can talk about that. I got, I got time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just think it's important that people know. I mean, I'm okay. I'm not here to sit around and like bash the program, Mm -hmm. but I think it's important that people know that it is a poorly facilitated program and it facilitates a lot of negativity, a lot of mental health issues, um, a lot of eating disorders, a lot of, self-hate and I just I'm waiting for something to be done about it but it's not really happening and so I'm kind of trying to really push the story out there and like I'd love to like get on a huge news source and like Mm. tell this to the whole world because I just I feel like they're getting away with a lot um a lot of here's 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 your opportunity to say something you know to, to my audience yeah what would you like to share their staff is not um, equipped with trauma-informed care. And so in my experience, um, having all I knew I had at the time when I was in first year, which was two years ago, um, was my anxiety disorder. And so I, in university, I 
when I first got into university, um, I had a facilitator, which um, helps me to create um, what they call accommodations. So I had an accommodation letter and these were my academic accommodations. And so this consisted of things like extra time on tests or assignments um, and like if the student misses class due to condition, um, meaning like I'm so anxious I can't get up out of bed, then like, oh, you can't really penalize her. Um, and for some reason, these accommodations didn't apply in my dance classes. They only applied in my academic classes. So, and that's just kind of like, okay, in the program that just, they, they just do that. And mm. nobody's there to tell them that they actually aren't allowed to do that. And they can't just do whatever they want. Um, and so that was something that I experienced. And um, they said straight to my face, you dance too anxiously. So what does one do with that information? I don't know. I, what I did with that information was I ran away because I was like, oh my goodness, I, I don't, I mean, you can't be an educator and like have things like that come out of your mouth. I mean, that's, that's horrifying to me. Like, that's what I mean when I say the institution is so broken. Like, how do we have these people who call themselves educators saying that to young people? Like, it's so harmful mm. and it messed me up for a while I was like okay so I can't dance because of my anxiety like when really that's just so backwards because completely backwards yeah like for me that was a, an outlet for all of my anxious energy like my whole life I'm realizing that's how I was so high functioning always because I had this outlet um which is you know we all know by now that's what art is for that's what art does that's why it's healing but then they were telling me, oh, no, you can't because of your anxiety. And I, they, they said, I think they also said to me, you know, it's, it's maybe it's not the right environment for you because it's, it's too high stress. Um, it's too involved. And I didn't say this to them, but I wish I had said this to them. Take a look at your program. Like, if it's too high stress, don't you think maybe it's something you're doing wrong? Don't you think maybe you should change things? Don't you think this program was created years ago and it should probably be revamped? Obviously, like I said, I didn't say that to them, but I wish I had. Um, but it's something that I can say now to people and let people know. Like, I just, it frustrates me that they run this program um, and they just kind of get away with these things and, you know, comments like, suck your stomach in, I can see your lunch, um, you know, like, comments like that and I'm like well no wonder my eating disorder finally surfaced like anyone would be taken back by those kinds of comments um you know you wouldn't hear those kinds of comments in an elementary school or a high school and so why is it okay in a university setting right right <sighs> have you seen the movie whiplash no okay it, it really reminds me of, of your experience because it's, it's a movie about a drummer and a conductor in a, in a jazz band. Mm -hmm. And the conductor is extremely like manipulative and abusive to this drummer. And he's basically completely tearing down his self-confidence mm -hmm. to push him to become quote unquote, the best drummer possible. Right. right. And kind of the end of the movie, it kind of, you, you're left with this question of like, he ends up becoming an incredible drummer. 
Right. And you're like, ooh, where's, where's the line there? Like, he, he really yeah. pushed him. Yeah. What I'm seeing, though, is, is there's, there's this concept in the arts. There's two kind of ways of looking at it. One is being as perfect as possible, being as precise with your movement, and it needs to be perfect. You know, the best art is the most accurate. And then there's the other uh, way of looking at it where it's the, most, the best art is the most expressive, the most raw the most authentic. Yeah. Um, I definitely sit on the second <laughs> yeah. side, like the side that I assume you're on as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to say that's the right side. Mm. I mean, I don't know, I guess there's no actual right or wrong, but like, I think there kind of is. I don't know, that's just my opinion, mm. but um, it's not math. Like it's art for a reason. Like it's, it's not calculated. I don't know, it's weird. It's kind of backwards to me. Um, yeah, and I think that's um, really important. You were saying, like, where's the line? Because in the arts, there's this thing where it's like, we push you to be better, we push you to be better. But um, you can't push people to their breaking point. I mean, it's just kind of unethical and inhumane. It's not really okay to just do that. And it's very old school. And that's why I think, um, the program desperately needs to be revamped because do I think they have, they build incredible artists, but the students typically leave. It's like, it's a thing that's known. That's like, if you go to the Ryerson dance program, if you don't start there with like some mental health issues, you definitely leave with them. And that's just like a known thing that people go around saying. And I'm like, does anybody, anybody else see something wrong with this? Anybody, <laughs> you guys are saying this like it's okay. I'm confused. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, it frustrates me that it's just happening before my eyes. I feel like I want to like do something more, but I know that again, boundaries and I'm doing mm -hmm. my part in like just sharing my experience, but yeah, there needs to be those lines and boundaries with, um, art too because yeah like I mean if someone thinks art should be perfect I think maybe they're talking about something else I don't know if it's art that they're talking about mm. I think there's we're a bit of confusion <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah perfectionism in the arts mm -hmm. this is a really big this is a really big thing um I'm currently teaching myself to play piano mm -hmm. and I'm trying to this is the first time I've ever really dealt with like a really intense issue with perfectionism because I'm trying to learn my scales right now and I'm trying to hit them perfectly on the tempo that I'm trying yeah. to hit them at right mm -hmm. and I'm starting to get in this space where I'm like it's not perfect fuck god damn it like fuck <laughs> getting so frustrated but I'm so focused on this perfection right but every other approach I've taken in any other art form ever has been fuck perfection just make it just make it just just create it and I think that when we get caught up in the perfectionism, we're not creating authentically. We're hiding. We're trying not to be seen. Yep. Like we're not being vulnerable. Yeah. It's just putting a veil over it and like protecting what you're actually trying to say or show or share or whatever it may be. I mean, again, it's just falling into that cookie cutter and just doing what people are telling you to do. Yes. It's just like, I don't know, like, it's just, I'd, I'd rather see something new as a consumer. Mm. Um, it's boring and 
I think for me, it's not something that I find value in just for my life and my personal consumption. Um, I don't know. I, I, again, I think it's weird. Like, I think it's, it's weird because art is the opposite. Like that's just a known thing. Like art is expression, you know? And so I don't know. It's, it's weird to me. (laughs) It's completely backwards. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. How are you going to create someone who breaks, breaks barriers if you teach them how to follow rules to a T? Yeah. Because then you go out of, okay, so the program, for example, then someone graduates and they go out and they don't know how to be an artist because they only know how to be a student and they only know how to be told what to do. Mm -hmm. Really well, like really, really well. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you can follow instruction really well. You can take tests really well. You can um, pick up choreography really well, um, which can be useful, but it's not art. Mm. So they, they, they create really good dancers, yeah. but not, not necessarily great artists. Not to say yeah. that great artists don't leave the program, yes. but what they're teaching yes, exactly. there is to be a dancer and not necessarily to be an artist. Exactly. And when, where are the institutions that mm-hmm. teach you how to be an artist, how to express yourself authentically? Mm. I don't think you get that from an institution. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Like institutionalism doesn't do that. It's, it's cookie cutter. There's not one single institution in the world that you can convince me is not by the books and isn't just telling people what to do. Like, I don't believe it exists. And I don't think you get that from institution. I think you just get that from life and experience and expression. And yeah, it's exactly what you said. They, they build and train dancers and yes, um, brilliant artists have come out of the program, um, but because of their own artistic ability is not anything the program taught them. Yeah, it's interesting. It's weird and backwards and I've never really thought too much about it. It just seems more and more weird to me the more I think about it. (laughs) (laughs) The difference between a great dancer and a great artist. It's a big difference. And, you know, they're so, I don't know, they're all talk because they're like, yes, like we value like your artistic capabilities and we have to see your artistry. They give you no opportunities to show your artistry. Mm. Like it's just, it's all talk and it's just, that's just what they're supposed to say. And so they say it, they don't mean it. They don't follow through. They don't allow you to express yourself. Your experience with anxiety, the fact that they said you dance too anxiously, that's completely countered to what they Yeah they're preaching because that anxiety is your art that that is your art that's your expression that's your truth that's your honest truth yeah sheesh see like valuable conversations you know like a lot of people I don't know I feel like there's going to be people that listen to what I'm saying and be like oh she should just probably stay quiet I'm like okay you have your you know everyone's entitled to their thought listening to what I'm saying but I think these are valuable conversations you know mm-hmm. um and i think it's important like if someone's uncomfortable listening to this ask yourself why you know mm. so maddie one more question for you before we wrap up yeah is what would you say to someone who wants to be an artist who feels trapped in an institution not necessarily a dance program but just an institution what would you say to that person get out 
<laughs> get out of the institutions. I mean, if you can, like if you're not in a super academically based field, just don't, just don't like conform to what you think you're supposed to do. Just, just create art, just do, do what you gotta do. You don't have to do it through an institution. You probably shouldn't do it through an institution if you can get away from it. Keep following the Live Your Art podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, again, like these conversations are important. And I hope like people can take something from it. Like even if it's a small thing, like I think society makes you feel like you have to conform, but like you're not, it's, it's not illegal to not conform. You know, like it's, it's fine. Like it feels uncomfortable and scary, but that probably means it's for the best. Totally. That fear ends up being the greatest gift. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really there to show you what is true. Yeah. Because expressing yourself truthfully and authentically and, you know, challenging the status quo is always by nature a terrifying experience, but that's, that's just, that's the leap. Yeah. That's the artist's leap. Yeah. That's what it really means to be an artist is to be willing to question and to be really be willing to, to be yourself and express your truth, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, uh, thank you. for joining me on this beautiful conversation. I'm, I'm really grateful for just like the, the honesty and the willingness to, to question things, you mm -hmm. damn artist. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate the platform. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Live Your Art podcast. Make sure to check out Madison Leonardo and her blog, Speaking Truth Company. The links are in the show notes as usual. If you enjoyed this episode and you think that someone could get some value from it, please feel free to send it along to them. Why not, right? Why not? If you're interested in embodying your authentic expression further, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or click the link in the show notes to apply to my one-on-one -on -one coaching program called The Unchained Artist, eight weeks to embody your authentic expression. Anyhow, that's it for me. My name is Theo Zagragan. I'm an artist, creativity coach, and director, and I will see you next week at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday. Until next time, keep on creating. Keep on speaking your truth. Keep being yourself. I love you. Peace.